0: Welcome to Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by USCfootball.com. I'm your host, Keely. You're joined alongside Ryan Abraham and Shotgun Sprattling, And we have a special guest in studio today, former Pitt quarterback and USC quarterback Max Brown. Max, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me on. Good to be here.
0: Uh, We're going to be talking about, obviously, USC's game tomorrow against Washington State. Tomorrow? Holy cow. Tomorrow, I know. (laughs) Pretty crazy. A Friday (laughs) game. It's a quick turnaround for USC. Maybe a good thing if they're coming off two losses. Maybe get that taste out of your mouth, have a quick game. Uh, So we'll be talking about that. We'll be previewing that game and, of course, answering your questions. I believe we are triple casting right now on YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook Live. Nice. So, all three at once. We all got three, three people
2: here sitting at the desk.
0: Just a lot. We had on.
2: new. We had new theme music. If you listen, so for it's the millennials cheesy. out there, a lot of millennials. Little cheesy. <laughs> okay, if you don't know Foreigner, <laughs> I grew up with Foreigner. <laughs> uh, Double Vision is a famous song. When I thought when we came up with the name Tunnel Vision, thanks to gate call from the Peristyle, that song popped in my head. And so I want to thank Sarah Trevino. So if she's with Trevino Media. She's actually a Thornton Music School grad and they do they do stuff for uh, advertising for movies for tv shows and stuff she produced that tunnel vision they took they found someone to sing yeah, it sounds exactly like I played next to uh, Double Vision. So thanks to Sarah Trevino for that one. I, I don't know, probably Ryan, before your time. Ryan's I'm really excited, excited. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're appealing to the older crowd. With that <laughs> I'm the one old
2: guy in the room, come on.
0: <laughs> Apparently so. Um, yeah, so we will be answering your questions. Um, we'll be monitoring, monitoring them, so make sure you put those in. We'll be getting to those a little bit later. Um, but first off, Max, I mean, you do some cool things on YouTube. You break mm-hmm. down the team. So you've been watching this. What is your general assessment about this USC team so far?
1: My general assessment is I'm scratching my head just like everyone else in terms of why can't the offense score points what what's the deal for me um I think a lot of it's just the physicality right uh blocking on the edge that that's one thing that stuck out to me in the in the Texas game but not too much of an identity I don't know what your guys' thoughts are there but kind of changes week to week in terms of how the play calling's uh going about identity something they're missing but uh it'll be interesting with the week four matchup tomorrow how they how they do
0: yeah, I, we talked to Akecetric Ware after the game, and he said one of those things. One of the things that are missing, uh, they had a lazy and slow practice leading up to the game, but they also they're lacking a, a offensive leader, and that's something you were on the team for USC. You were a captain. Um, how do you become an offensive leader? How does that happen in the locker room?
1: Yeah, that comes through. I mean, like work ethic, I and mean, then just being there a long time. I think um, that's one thing you're kind of. Uh, Putting aside when you start a true freshman quarterback is that you, you might you're, you're looking for a leader somewhere else in terms of receivers or offensive line. Um, in 2016, that's something that we had a, a, a great group of guys that were the leaders, older guys that have been through a lot, a lot of coaching changes, so we had seen a lot. And that's something that with this this offense and this team moving forward, uh, someone's got to step up. When you're complaining about practice, to me, that's less of a coach's deal and more of a Hey players let's keep people accountable so there's something to something to think about there in terms of uh who's to blame for comments like that but uh it's a group effort they know that
2: and they'll get it straightened out
0: interesting um yeah. so
2: for you guys who don't know you know max keely introduced him as the former pick quarterback i said dan usc, <laughs> she, <started laughs> USC.
0: She, said,
2: she said we're good for um, yeah, four years. but that's <laughs> like i've had the pleasure of uh, knowing max for many years probably going back to like the 2011 2012 when he was a five-star quarterback the number one rated quarterback in the country I think we were, we might have been with rivals at the time we were doing that, but he was, uh, so all the recruiting junkies out there, he was pretty much a recruiting junkie too. So big, our two big events that we usually go cover at the opening, uh, in, uh, Beaverton, Oregon, and then yep. at the Army All American Bowl. Like, I remember me and Gerard be talking with you, and he'd come up through, was like, Okay, who are we getting now? Yeah. Like, well, oh, like, yeah. well, you were involved the, in the recruit. Like, I needed you guys. Yeah, was, <laughs> we only had 12,
1: 15 scholarships. We had to get, make sure everyone was perfect.
2: Yeah, that's the, funny. It was funny. The um, I remember talking to you. Uh, well, it wasn't a great memory for you guys. It was in San Antonio for the uh, Army All American Bowl. It just happened to be going on. I think you guys played for the West, a West practice was going on during the uh which bowl was that sun bowl? The, the sun bowl no. where uh yeah there was kind good of good memory <laughs> yeah not it was, that. yeah yeah so and you're like like uh, i remember you guys are a bunch of the commits are uh, on the field we're getting updates of like georgia tech's winning whatever it was and you guys are like what's going on yeah here? yeah that was a very strange time too
1: that led to an ugly month of recruiting You mean you talk about like jalen ramsey oh uh, yeah he was eddie vanderdose yeah. and michael uh-huh. thomas the kind of what a, could have should have guys for
2: uh what, what could have been for us. yeah to, it was like uh, the number one ranked uh, recruiting class at the time and uh yeah. yeah, coming up for that season, that was a really strange, that was a really strange, but you've had, Seriously. I mean, your career was very interesting, getting recruited by Lane Kiffin and, and being there for his firing, yeah. and then, you know, was it so Clay Helton was the... uh well, you got, intro, yeah, got
1: yeah, Kiffin, Orgeron, oh, and was. Helton yeah, yeah. for the bowl game against Fresno State, then Sark, then back to Helton, so... You but were but at the, the whirlwind. Yeah. that no, it's wild. I'm in the that. Yeah.
2: You transferred out after you graduated. You still had five head coaches. Five head coaches, yeah. <laughs> five years, five head coaches. But, uh, yeah. So, it, yeah, some it, quarterbacks it, get like five different offensive coordinators. You yeah. had five head coaches. So. Yeah.
1: It's, it's a lot, but, hey, make, uh, make it what you can. <laughs>
0: Um, so we saw practice this week. USC trying to bounce back. Shotgun, what did you see from the team overall as far as practicing goes?
3: One of the things you noticed most was that the coaches were very animated this week. You know, yeah. uh, Tim Drevno especially with the scout team, he was throwing defensive linemen back and forth. Don't get in this gap. Get over. Here. And was, so they were very animated. You saw there's seem more intensity. Uh, you know, more. Um, you know, more flavor to it, I guess. You know, they were really uh, attacking the practice more than we've seen in the past, which I think is a good thing. Which, you know, you're coming off of a week where, you know, where Alcacete- where it says it was a lazy practice and Tyler Vaughn says we can't do this anymore. Uh, and you saw the coaches were, the offense coaches in particular, were really going after the guys and really attacking those practices, which I thought was a good thing. Uh, how did the players respond to it? You see, it was very similar practices. They didn't go full pads. Kind of tough, we talked about this before off the air, but it's kind of tough to go with those full pad practices knowing that you just came off a game where you played eighty something plays on defense. Your defense lineman with Brandon Peely basically being suspended the first half uh, for missing a meeting. You know, without him, those defense linemen played a ton of plays in that game. Then you have a short week and you're going to play a, an up tempo team and wants to run a ton of plays again. So kind of hard to go straight to full uh, full practices with one des- one less day of recovery early in the week and and trying to get into it. So I thought that the, that them not going full pads was not a big issue to me. I didn't think that was that was something that, that they had to do. It was would have been nice to see it just because you know maybe it was even a, even if they flipped the practices and still had that that full pad practice on Tuesday and just switch something up because that, it seems like there needs to be some kind of change in the yeah. practice routine because it's just become that it's just become a routine. It isn't something where something changes. You know, I like when coaches when they see something's going wrong, change something up and make make something different, make it a different drill, make it whatever. You know, even if you you know, have to switch the order of the drills, whatever it may be, just so you get out of that. You know, okay, well this is what we do now, and then this is what we do, and it just seems like a chore rather than you're going to practice and you're you're trying to get better.
2: I wanted to ask you about the, the full pad stuff. So that's a it's a hot topic on the <laughs> boards. People are like, oh, they're soft. They're not doing this, blah, blah, blah. No pads November. They hate it. All that kind of stuff. I, going back to, you know, you've had all different head coaches where all the practice is kind of similar. And then the second part would be, what's the difference? Maybe it's a little different for you as a quarterback in full pads. You're basically wearing the, the you know, but is it? do you think it's different for defensive linemen and offensive linemen, full pads days versus shells days?
1: Yeah, I think your first question for all the head coaches, they're all pretty much the same in terms of a Monday or Sunday walkthrough, then Tuesday full pads, Wednesday shells, Thursdays just helmets. That's pretty much the case. You might get another day of shells, but by and large, it's pretty much the same for all the head coaches. I think to your second point about uh, just uh, the, the mindset-wise, I think for offense and d- defense linemen, it's night and day different, and that's really? why when, okay. you, when you walk out on the field – if you stand by the gate like I know you guys do, the guys that are talking about the full pads are the O and, line, o and D linemen. The quarterbacks and receivers, is just kind of whatever, you're not getting hit. But for O and D linemen, like, that's, that's the mindset for the practice. If I'm full pads, I'm gearing up. We're, we're full contact. The intensity is probably just a, a beat, beat higher versus if you're in shells, it's just different. You might have the same exact script of plays but the approach to it's different, so I think there's something to be said about hey, if I am wearing knee pads, as small as those things are, if I'm wearing knee pads, <laughs> it could make a, a big difference in the approach for players uh, in terms of the, the
2: the practice. The some of the reasons, I guess, if you know guys are are it's, they're hurt or they didn't get a lot of rest. Do you see the fact like well, you know, maybe you shouldn't do full pads or do you think you know it's not really that big? Like, what's the risk reward there? I and guess? that that's the trade-off. Yeah, exactly. If you're
1: getting worn down then it's uh, maybe we should go good sh- should go shells and my first couple years at sc when our numbers were down you almost had no shot no cho- no choice right yeah. like you had you had to go shells because if you went full pads and you had a leonard williams go down the team screwed because you don't have the d lineman <laughs> depth versus now sc has that luxury right they don't have that's not the the, the the thing they can say in terms of, oh we don't have the depth no they have the depth and so
3: uh maybe pushing for full for full pads is uh, is what they need and you talk about how it's different for the offense-defense alignment. You look at the stats here, USC is currently ranked 109th in rushing defense and 116th in the country out of 129 teams in rushing offense. So if both teams are in the lower 10%, then like, I don't know uh, for you as a player, like, if a coach just changes something, whether I mean we we talked about it last year when Chris Hawkins said he went to to Helton and said, hey, we need music before the Arizona State game. They come to the Arizona State game, blow Arizona State's doors off, and you're like, wow, what happened? And he says, well, we made this one little change. Does how much can a change affect you know a team when you're kind of used to that routine? If something is just completely different, whether it's you know, a celebrity speaker or whatever, may be, yeah. Pete Carroll style, or if it's just changing something up in that regard. I think you're spot on. But then like you, the, the flip side of that is every head coach says, oh, we got to,
1: we got to be who we are. Like we can't change for who we're playing. Like we got to stick. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. So then there's that approach as well, which is the fine line and something that I know coach Helton preaches in terms of like, it doesn't matter the other team. We're going to be who we are. So you're, you're, you're spot on like the, the little switch. I think if it doesn't, change your entire culture. Wearing knee pads on a Wednesday is a little switch. Music's a little switch. So those type of things probably definitely help a team. Um,
0: Max, you've been around this team, uh, and you've been around Helton, and Mm -hmm. Helton has been very upbeat after losses just because, you know, he trusts his players, and I think that rubs some of the fans (laughs) the wrong way. Um, But you've seen Helton behind the scenes. What is he like when losses like this happen?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, he gets a – the the rap that he's like, I I don't know, like – he doesn't have a discipline or like a pushover. That that's, that could not be farther from the truth. I mean, he'll get on guys. He'll so let them know when they make a mistake. I'm sure he was, that meeting the next day, he was very intense. I'm sure, uh, I mean, you guys probably see that practice a little bit. Some of the, like the yelling and, hey, let's go. So that he does have a side to that. Um, I saw those same post-game interviews and it, it does kind of rub me the wrong way in terms of like, eh, we did just lose to Texas. So uh, there probably should be a little bit more sense of urgency, but, he does have both sides. I think he does have a good grasp of, of when his team needs to get yelled at and kind of pushing the butt, and then when his team needs to get picked up. And uh, Yeah, but I saw those same interviews and was kind of thinking the same thing.
0: Yeah. Interesting. As yeah. far as sideline culture, what do you see from USC's sideline? I know – I actually remember the Stanford game 2016. You were actually with the O-linemen a lot and talking to them about getting things going. We yeah. don't really see that a lot um, yeah. this year. How, how do you interpret how the sideline is kind of communicating and, and looking during the game?
1: Yeah, to your – Point about the QB and the offensive line, I think when you start a true freshman, that's almost a given, right? He's not going to be the guy that's going to rah-rah the offensive line, especially when you have a guy like Toa and Chris Brown, guys that have played tons of ball, Um, but that's a battle with any college team you're on, is if guys aren't playing, are they locked into the game, and I think that's a big energy. I think KB's back, right, the strength coach, and he's big on the energy, and so I'm sure that helps, but... That was an issue at Pitt too. Is if you're not playing, like, what's your energy like? And for me, that's that's crazy, right? You should always be up, upbeat, supporting your guys. But uh, in terms of offensive QB dialogue, that's something that needs to be fixed. But and that'll help with the more experience JT gets for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Should we, uh, before we got questions and stuff? Come yeah, up, we have right? a lot of questions. Yeah. I'm oh, sure a lot. But let, let everyone know kind of what you're doing now. Um, Yes, so this fall I'm doing a YouTube uh, channel, so if you're watching
1: this on YouTube, just type in Max Brown and my channel. Every week I'm breaking down one Pac-12 game or bits and pieces from Pac-12 games and uh, giving my insight insight on them, whether it's scheme things, play calling deals, whatever it may be, just kind of that next level uh, football analysis, kind of like uh, Kobe's detail segment he did for the NBA playoffs, along those lines, but check it out max brown youtube channel uh one video every week and uh, it's, it's good stuff pac-12 ball and
2: you're working with yogi roth now with pac-12 network or? yep
1: working with yogi roth pac-12 network so watching every game breaking every game down with him so seeing every pac-12 game and uh get a good grasp with every team in the conference so it's been fun and helping him do some marketing things and football things and kind of wrapping it up together in my own uh youtube series so it's,
2: it's been fun Are you like it so far do you like this yeah this, different this side of is yeah. <laughs> No more pads and how eat pizza and watching you guys working out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Less pressure and, and scrutiny for sure. I guess shooting scrutiny probably comes, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you'll no, it's see. yeah.
3: It's been good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we actually have a lot of questions for you, and a lot of people yeah. giving you support and saying you're always a Trojan in their mm-hmm. hearts. So, uh, but we have a question from Zach who says, "How does USC practice compare to Pitt?"
1: It's very similar. I don't, that's probably not easy for SC fans to hear because that's the whole week's been about. Practice and what they got improved, but it's been very similar. And like kind of said earlier, with the idea of um, Sunday, Monday walk through, whatever the coach uh, decides, and then Tuesday full pads, and then I guess at pit we would do more Wednesday full pads. But it wasn't like it wasn't an always kind of thing. It was kind of depending on the week before and injuries and all that. But with that being said, Narduzzi wasn't afraid to go full pads on a Wednesday, which I guess is is probably different uh, from 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 SC. But by and large, in terms of periods and structure and moving from special teams to offense to defense, that's uh, it's been a pr- pretty similar format. Do they
2: taper off at the end like no pads November kind of thing or? Um, a little bit, but not like with with Orgeron. That was like the thing, right? You knew as a player if you got
1: to to November, it was like I'm never putting on pads, I'm never putting on <laughs> really? t- so pads during the week. That oh was yeah, that his thing. Okay. That was his thing. But <laughs> well, he so was you like, think
2: of him as like, the, the super tough guy, you
1: know? Super tough. I guess when he was at SC, it was ultimate player coach mode. Or uh, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, a little bit of taper off, but still like Narduzzi was a defensive guy in the trenches type of guy. It's like hey, we gotta make sure we're hitting people in the mouth, and that comes with putting football pants on in, in November, so there's a little bit of that for sure.
0: Uh, Tark wants to know, do you see yourself becoming a coach at any point?
1: We'll see. Initially, the answer is probably not. Um, that lifestyle in terms of getting hired and fired and moving around seems a little crazy, but we'll see. As I, I mean, uh, right now, not playing this fall, so as, as I get more removed from the game, maybe I'll coach. I think... Uh, Think I'd be good at it. Think I could do it. Uh, but right now, the the commentating, and broadcasting side is at least what I'm uh, striving for post football.
2: Well, you you had the shoulder injury, right? And then did did your pro day and stuff? And... I
1: had the shoulder injury. Uh, it was the labrum in my right shoulder, so that's pretty pretty tough for for a thrower. So I did my pro day, but I was only able to throw like hitches and slants. And my goal at the time was just to show people, hey, I'm healthy and I'm getting along, but uh, still trying to get it full strength. It's, I'm coming up on a year, so it's, it, it was a tough deal, but uh, yeah, that's it's, it's football for you. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, this is probably a question for everyone. Don't want to put Max on the spot. Tarek mm-hmm. says, if USC loses to Wazoo, will the calls for Helton's job be justified?
2: I mean, justified, I mean, it's okay, it's worse. I figured one and two was a realistic possibility just because of the tough schedule. It feels worse than I thought it would feel because of the nature of those losses. If it's a, you add a third one on, it's going to be a lot different than 2016. So, uh, for a guy that just signed an extension in February, I wouldn't have believed that the, you know this could be justified. But there's something that needs to change. We haven't seen a lot of it, so I don't know. Like it's not my call to make it justified or not, but it's it's going to be real. I mean, I think it's real already, but Damn. one in three would be real.
3: I mean, and it's also it's Washington State, which is a team that was currently at the bottom of, of the conference, and a team that you USC fans think that they should beat every single time, regardless. And so, when you lose to them, it, it feels that much more impactful yeah. in that regard. It's not like you're losing to you know to Stanford or to Oregon in the last 10 years, or you know or to Washington. It feels much different when you lose to Washington State versus another team like that.
1: That's crazy to me if you step back though. And if, if if they were to make a change after next week, you're talking about a guy who won a Rose Bowl two years ago and went to a BCS bowl game or whatever, like the major bowl yeah, games, yeah. New Year's New Year's bowl game last year. Like that's absurd. When, yeah. You, yeah. when you take a step back, which say what you want, but like that's that that's wild And what what's what's that mean moving forward for the next head coach that comes in here? That's as short of a leash as you could ever ask for. Yeah. So yeah.
2: I wouldn't think they yeah. would do something after like on Saturday, but I think that would be the, st- the start the, of it? Yeah, yeah. Like I think that would be after the season. I don't think they're going to do anything at all. I think it's a realistic possibility they would do something after the season. We don't know. Lin Swan, you know, he's new. We don't. He's never he hired. hired or fired a, a football coach before. But, yeah, I hopefully I didn't make it come off as I think they would make a change this week. No, I think no. I think it would be at the end of the season or something like that. But you're right. I mean, the resume's there for, like, he did a lot better than you thought. And he. I think USC needed that. You were there. USC kind of needed the adult. I always say the adult in the room to come in. They needed a Clay Helton or someone to and
1: the consist- consistency
2: and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Just to get. I think he's brought USC back and did a lot of great things, success wise, in the first two years. But if you're looking for this is going to be, you want this to be a playoff caliber team. I'm just not seeing that right now. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Tester Troy wants to know from Max, what do you think is the main problem that you're seeing with this team?
1: Hmm. That is the the magic magic question, right? I mean. I don't think it's one one deal necessarily. But then when I think back and you you, you go back to the root of the, 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 the whole issue, when is everything equal? And that's like recruiting. So what kind of kids is SC getting? And for me, SC is getting the number one recruiting or a top recruiting class every single year. So then what's the issue? They have more talent than every single team they're playing. And for me, if you look at the type of kid that might go to a SC, a five-star kid that might go to SC versus the the five-star kid that goes to Alabama the mindset of that that kid might be different in terms of uh, the Alabama kid knows exactly what he's getting, right? He's going to Nick Saban. He's heard horror stories of, like, the weight weight room and all that versus that C kid might fall in love with, like, the sunshine, the girls, like, (laughs) all that stuff, how nice Helton is. And I'm not saying that's how every kid is by no means at all. I mean, Cam Smith, Marvell Tell, Ajene, Porter, all those those guys would play at Alabama. It it doesn't matter. But what I am saying is if you get two or three kids like that per recruiting class – and then that starts to add up. That becomes kind of a little cancer in the culture and who you are. And especially if you're relying on those kids to um, contribute for you, I think that's something that when I look back, like that might be in terms of like a culture issue in terms of like we talked about it. They're, 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 they're struggling at the point of attack, getting punched in the mouth up front, uh, blocking on the edges. And so that's somewhere if I try to like, okay, how is this happening? That's something that uh, kind of eats out my brain a little bit in terms of like, you're having issues with some guys, guys getting kicked out this past year. So, like, what does that say culturally and about the guys you're getting? But by and large, 99% of the guys are great, but all it takes is one to kind of uh, impact the culture of a team.
0: Interesting. Um, um, Chris wants to know, what are your thoughts on the USC's offensive scheme?
1: Scheme, I think it's I think it's fine. I really do. I think um, when I played at SC, I never was sitting there thinking, oh, I, I hate these calls, or oh, I hate these plays, which um, that was kind of a – A big concern for previous head coaches and play callers. I I never had that that sense. I will say it seems like they're switching their identity of who they are. I mean, I know uh, Helton preaches, hey, we're going to go 50-50 run pass. Well, then when you go to Texas and that's not the case, like what's the deal? Um, So I think uh, identity wise, they got to figure out something, but play calling, uh, they're just switching off who's making mistakes from what I can see in terms of whether it's blocking scheme or assignment, whatever it is. I don't – play calling what everyone says, right? Everyone on their couches, is, yeah. oh, play calling. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that's the
3: case, but execution-wise, something's got to get
1: shored up. I know the
3: coaches bring up execution all the time, but it, which is kind of putting on the players that they didn't do it. And what, I, what, I, what was different about the Texas game that I liked is that T. Martin did some different things where the offensive line is not playing well. They're not playing well at all. That's just straight flat out. They're not playing well. So he did some things to try to alleviate – Pressure off of JT with some different screen passes and stuff, and still the offensive line wasn't getting blocks in that. But I liked some of the things that T. Martin did to that, the, the quick bubble screens early in the game. He was trying to bring those defensive backs up so that USC could have those those uh, those deep ball shots, which they hit a couple of them later. But just the fact that they weren't able to get to, you know some of the things where they had uh, we broke it down in our our film was that there was a screen pass early in the game to Stephen Carr, and you have four offensive linemen out in front with three defenders. And they don't block any of them. Yeah, you have four to, four blockers to block three defenders, and you you block zero defenders. It's hard as a play caller too. If you're like, well, what can I call now if we're not going to block anybody regardless of the call? So you know, you, sometimes you. I know no one on here wants to feel bad for T Martin, but I feel bad a little bit when I see some sure. of the calls. I'm like, oh, that would work if they if they do block it. We talked before about the fourth and one play. The mm-hmm. toss sweep at the goal line. You know, the play before on third and goal, they tried to run it up the middle. They went under center. You know, and everybody pretty much got their blocks They didn't get in. So they tried something different. Texas, you know, has an extra defender in the box. Let's go outside with mm-hmm. it. And you, you look at it, and if Tyler Petit and uh, Eric Cromanhook get their blocks, they, they allow penetration. And then it puts it on via Malapai. Mm-hmm. As a fullback who you know probably has not played that position much, to make a decision: do I try to take out this guy, this first threat, or do I continue going on my path, which is what he probably should have done? Because it looked like Stephen Carr would have got outside of that anyway. And then you have one-on-one block on the outside, and Stephen Carr racing to the pylon versus yep. two defenders that he's already got a step on when he catches the ball. So some of the things you look at and you say, "Well, that looks good." When we look, when you look back and you break it down, but you're like, "Well, you still have to block it." So it's kind of difficult for the play calling at the same time. I think. Yeah. 100%.
0: And we hear from some of the players that they're talented in individuals, but they don't necessarily play together as a group. Is that something that's a mindset? Is that a practice thing, or is that just an excuse that they're giving us?
1: <laughs> yeah, it could be all the above. above. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but to me, I it's probably a mindset deal. Like that, like not playing together. Like you're around each other every single day for a year. Like that shouldn't be an issue, but. I don't know. I, I guess mindset, but I think that's people probably trying to find an answer for just put put an answer on a question. I don't I don't know if I if I uh, have have a great answer for that one.
0: In that um, sense, um, you were hearing questions from us after practice at USC yeah. as a player. How hard is it to come off the practice field, but now you have people in your face asking you questions about things?
1: That's a great question because that is probably the single single one issue that's di- or single one factor that's different from SC to Pitt is that Pitt there's no media watch. They watch warm ups. And, like, the fastball period, for what I'm sure they probably still do that. And then, like, that's it. And then they're off the field. So I, w- I was laughing. I was watch- uh, reading your tweets when you were tracking every QB's throw in <laughs> ball camp. And I was like, that would have never <laughs> flown at Pitt. And yeah. it, there's something to be said about that, right? Because yeah. when players are having to play to make sure, like, you guys tweet about them, like, there's something to be said, especially for younger guys. Like, yeah. oh, crap, they got on me for that. Or you guys don't really get on people. But I'm not getting the headlines that I thought I was going to when I was in high school. That can wear on people. Uh, younger guys, especially. I think as you get older, you get used to it. But uh, just a totally different in terms of media uh, culture at from from SC to Pitt. That I saw that could impact players. I, I'm not sure.
0: Was that a hard thing to get used to? People tweeting about you and talking about you.
1: Um, for me, it was one of those things. I knew what I was getting into when I came here, but then when like you're in a quarterback competition and then my first year, like when you're losing a quarterback competition, it's a lot easier said than done, like having people tweet about you. So it's like, Oh, it doesn't impact me, but inside you're like, gosh, dang it. Like I got to play better. So everyone back home sees these tweets a lot. So there's definitely an element of that. Um, and I think I'm, I'd am i be willing to bet it wears on some guys more than others.
0: Yeah. We have
2: yeah. a Periscope question real quick. Antoine Nominus, I think, I don't know. He says, do you still consider yourself a Trojan, a, a USC church? Uh, Yes and no. I think uh,
1: school-wise I do. I have a lot of great memories uh, school-wise with friends and all that. But uh, football is tough. There's definitely some scars there, um, just th- that whole situation. So I think football-wise I'm – Prime more so pit, to be honest, just cause that's where i where I ended. but uh, I mean, I have two degrees from s c, so I always have uh, have that element and girlfriends from s c. My best friends are from s c but. Uh it's kind of a yes and no deal. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Interesting yeah. question. We have a question from Jared who says Which game has a higher attendance this Friday? Modern day IMG <laughs> or USC Wazoo? <laughs> USC only
3: because it has a bigger capacity.
2: <laughs> yeah. I wrote a piece like so. You can check it out on USCfootball.com, Perfect Storm. Uh, really, with the slow start, the Coliseum renovations going on because there's no parking over there, and being a Friday game, all of it combined. Uh, it's going to be lower. Like the so the, 50, the opener, 58,000 was the lowest opener uh, total for attendance since 2001, Pete Carroll's first year. Um, and there was a in 2000, Hackett's Washington State game. They got 40,000 for that one. That was like three games before he was fired. I don't think it's going to get down that low. But there's a lot of factors that's really hard to get to a game on a Friday in LA at the Coliseum, and with all the construction, and you can't just pull up and park because there's no more paid parking there. I, I kind of felt like this was going to be the perfect storm, so we'll see. I'm not sure what the attendance is going to be, but what are you guys putting the number at? What do you what's the over under? <laughs> I got texted <laughs> un,
3: over under 45, and I said under. You said under 45? I yeah. okay. I'd be like 43, 40, 44. Look, no parking. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't even park on campus till five, I think. Five
2: thirty. I t- I there was told five yesterday, and then Tim sent me an email five thirty today. And no tailgating. So
3: no tailgating. So that you take away two things right there, you're basically saying everybody needs to take Metro. You can't come before the game and tailgate at all. You're just showing up for this game. People go go to a game for the experience for the entire day. You know, I have friends that go and tailgate at 6 a.m. For every Saturday game, regardless of what time the game is. Uh-huh. <laughs> the game is at 7.30 p.m. <laughs> at USC long UCLA. Day. <laughs> long day of drinking, yes. Yeah. And, and you sometimes be, you have, you see guys taking naps and stuff. Yeah. But it's an experience. You, you're devoting your entire Saturday to that. Now it's like, hey, can you stop by after work? It's like a dinner date. It's not, it's not an experience yeah. anymore. It's a dinner date. <laughs> and, and so you're going to have no parking. You're going to have no tailgating. You're going to have no interest. Because it's Washington State, for one. You know, it's not a it's not the marquee matchup that you want. Nobody really knows much about this Washington State team. They haven't played anybody. So there's not getting a lot of hype there. And you have a USC team that's coming off two losses over 10 points for the first time, what, since 2000 or something? So yeah. I think it's going to be, you know, accumulating a storm of not even, you know, 45,000 will be, uh, you know, a, a blessing for them if they get that many. one wow. uh
2: usc official i talked to was optimistically thinking they could get it to 50. so i think over under of 45 is interesting i would maybe put the over under like 47.5 i would say like i just don't be.
3: think people are
2: going to come out yeah we'll see is the game on espn yep espn yeah so it's also it's, it's, if it was on pac-12 network then some people might want to come because you don't get the pac-12 network no. but you can actually watch it uh, i don't Ra- know we'll see
0: Raphael says who's the best wide receiver you've seen
2: Oh wow! Um,
1: Best wide receiver, probably Marquise Lee, in terms of at SC. Marquise Lee, in terms of in and out of breaks, was something else. If he could have stayed healthy, and I think uh, just towards the back end of his career, it's probably him. Interesting.
3: How does Amon Ross, St. Brown, compare to some of those that group of you know Nelson, Marquise, Robert Woods? You know, when you look at him and just seeing him coming in as a freshman, when you saw some of those guys early in your career, how does he kind of compare with them? I think, I mean, granted, my
1: Amon uh, exposure is very limited compared to those guys, but his ball skills are right up there. I remember the back shoulder throw that JT threw at Stanford where he, like, comes back. Like, that is not, like, the best. I mean, he gave him a chance, but not the best throw, but incredible receiver play. So ball skills-wise, he has to be right up there. The thing, like when Keeley asked me what the best year when I thought, think of Marquise, I think of just in and out of his breaks, how quick he was, the uh, agility when he got the ball in his hands. That's something that I'll, I think is to be determined for me with Amon, because he hasn't got the ball in his hands as much, but ball skills going up for the ball, I think that's something that... We've seen these first three games he's great at, and uh, it'll, I'm sure when it's all said and done, he'll be up uh, up with that list of, of names you just
3: said. As you talk about that throw at Stanford, basically JT just, you know, Amon Ross going towards his left, and JT just throws it behind him to his right because he sees there's an opening. And I feel like that's the connection those two guys have. that's so unique because he's like, okay, I'll throw it here. And if... He doesn't snap his head around, which is an incredible play. Yeah. If you've ever worn a helmet, it's very difficult <laughs> just to snap your head around that quickly and find the ball and be you know, cognizant of where it's going to be. Um, but if he doesn't, it, then it's just an incomplete pass. And I feel like he gives Amon Ra that trust. Is like, okay, I'll just throw it in the area where there's nobody at. He'll go make the play and make me look good. And it's what he did there. And one of the things we pointed out when we are looking at the, the tape was that on the th- they brought him in on third downs. Uh, the first two drives just on third downs. And you converted almost every one of them. Yeah, you had like uh,
2: four conversions. I think. Yeah,
3: yeah, in the first two drives, and, and basically you. It was short stick routes and stuff, but it's four or five yards, and, and he's able to just do enough to get himself open in these little tight windows. But he's, he's he does some things already as a freshman that are they're very impressive with, with uh, how he attacks the ball. You know, One of them was a stick route, and there was a, a, a linebacker coming at him and basically would have hit him and stopped him for it. But he uses his momentum and takes one step forward to catch the ball, and then he's able to kind of uh, move off the, the tackle. A lot of things he does are impressive to me, uh, and we saw more of that in that Texas game.
0: Mm-hmm. albert has a couple of questions for you max he says what's the best part of your journey so far and what's the biggest thing you learned about the college football landscape
1: oh wow <laughs> uh best part about the journey for me is probably the people you meet it's kind of an overarching theme but from at sc from everyone i got to meet that's impacting my life now uh out, like with football outside of football the friends the teammates that's probably the best part and uh What's the second, second question?
0: Uh, what did you learn about the college football landscape?
1: College football landscape? Um, well, I think the East, East Coast bias things for real. Uh, <laughs> being on being at Pitt and like staying up to watch some of the SC games, or my best bud plays for played for Washington State, plays for Washington State, I guess tomorrow. Um, but like those Pac-12 uh, after dark games, those games are going to, like three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. got so there's no way anyone's watching those. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I think there, that that dialogue is is just true and people in the East Coast hate it or people SEC people hate it but uh, in terms of the landscape
2: uh, I think it's spot on yeah got a periscope one from Puck de Hawks uh, <laughs> does SC have too many options on offense and does that hurt the flow of the offense I think that's a fantastic question because I've actually thought that and really?
1: I think there an element of that is yes and it sounds crazy because you can never have like too many weapons but what I will say is the the, the the line I always use to, like, my buddies is if Michael Pittman was on, like, Colorado, he'd be the best receiver, like, <laughs> on that team. Like, or I guess they have Chenault this year, but by yeah. and large, yeah. like, he'd be a stud. But then he's kind of like an afterthought. We've talked about Amon Ra Tyler Vaughn's Like, he's kind of like the afterthought, which is, like, crazy to me. And then when you talk about, like, in the slot, they're playing uh, Sidney, um, Alon, and Velas Like, those are all great players. But then, by playing all three of them, not a single one gets in rhythm. Like, every time the ball is thrown to them, it's like, okay, that might be my one catch for, like, the game. Which is, like, a wild thought when you're talking about guys that are even players. Bit, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think, especially on those 50-50 balls, when they're, like, throwing it up. And if you're Tyler Vaughn's, and, oh, I missed that. Like, that's my, that might be my one fit like ball that, that entire half. Which, there's something to be said about getting in rhythm, and I think that's the case with the running backs as well, is you have three great guys. They're all, like, worthy of playing, but... If you're only getting a, a few snaps here and there, it's, it's probably tough to kind of get in, get in the flow of the game, which there's something to be said for that. I don't think that's the issue with the offense by by no means, but I think there's something to be said about that
3: question. Mm-hmm. And Velas Jones, you talk about him, you know, he had probably his best game of his career. He played 14 snaps in the first quarter. He played eight the rest of the game. Wow.
0: It's yeah. interesting how they how they But then it works
1: them. both ways. So, like, for every snap he's playing – like amon's probably not i don't yeah. know exactly so like that's, it, it's that's tough, part yeah. of it because yeah. you
3: know you're using basically amon ra on third downs in the first quarter and he had one drive later in it and he was kind of Amon both inside and outside and that's part of it but you know it, it, at some point you like do you not feel that hey this guy's having a really good game this is the hot hand we should go with him you know he had his first deep ball catch he made a couple of, of tougher catches underneath i mean that first ball that was thrown uh you know, they picked up 17 yards. Basically, threw it through the hands of a defender jumping up in front of Velas, which is a very tough catch, and he makes the catch. You know, at some point, I think you got to go with a high hand throw in a game, right? When someone you know makes a couple plays, right?
1: Yeah, 100. percent And from the quarterback's perspective, if those receivers are only getting like they're one play a quarter if that play doesn't work they're coming back to JT and they're getting on JT like come on man and then that <laughs> my was, play yeah exactly and then that wears on a quarterback especially a younger quarterback and especially when we've talked about like leadership might not be as strong as it once was whatever you want to say there that's definitely the case in terms of if I'm getting if I'm open only one time a quarter one time a
3: game I better get the ball if, I'm, if that doesn't happen that's tough for a receiver yeah so would you prefer seeing kind of the the Darius and Juju where those guys were playing ninety ninety five percent of the snaps I I'd say so yeah I mean but with that being said I think
1: so Vons and Pittman they're pretty much lock, locking it down at the X and Z receiver it's the slot position that I think is just it, it, intriguing and I know from a quarterback's perspective. If one guy's a technician and a route runner, you'll probably have him down on on third down or, like, the routes that you really have to be specific with rather than some of just, like, the the, the shallow routes where it's just get to an area. So I I get there is strategy in terms of who brings what to the table. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting for sure.
0: Uh, Raymond wants to know, do you think USC is ready for this game? It seems like Washington State is smelling blood in the water. Mentally. Well, that's it's, interesting
3: because Mike Leach is a pirate guy, so yeah
0: a shark
2: <laughs> reference here. This is a really interesting matchup to me because of the offseason. I mean, the you know horrible tragedy with Tyler Olinsky, you know, the suicide. Like You don't know what the mentality of the team is going to be. Mike Leach flirted with the Tennessee job, it looked like he was going to get it, and they they only brought, I think, four offensive starters back, five defensive starters. They lost five assistant coaches. There's There was a lot of turmoil in this offseason. Now, had mentioned... They haven't played anybody yet. Uh, I thought the the road win at Wyoming, no more Josh Allen, but that that was still pretty good. They were losing against FCS schools at home just a couple years ago. So I thought that was all right. They put up a lot of points against uh, Eastern Washington. I mean, you you probably know those programs well. 470 yards for Gardner Minshew. And I think, to me, Max, i will get your thoughts on this. Their defensive front, you know, they lose Alex Grinch, who goes to, uh, to to Ohio State. He's, you know, co-defensive coordinator there. But they bring in Tracy Clays, who was the former uh, head coach at Minnesota, keeps the defense the same. A defense that gave USC troubles last year. It's not a big defense, but they're small and quick. And when you talk to Shotgun Talks about the offensive line playing poorly, what looks to me they're playing poorly is just not picking up the right guys. It's not like they're getting beat physically. It's really about just picking up, you know, you don't know where the blitz is coming from. You don't know where the rush is coming from. And I think Washington State does that really well. So yeah, I know they haven't played anyone, but I think this is going to be a real test for USC.
1: And there's something to be said about, like Shotgun mentioned for when SC plays Wazoo, as an SC player, you're thinking, all right, this is, this is a win right there. And you might not get up for the, this, these guys like Washington State. This is their championship right here, right? Probably a lot of LA-based guys or Southern California-based guys. They're trying to make a statement on national television Friday night, I think, this is uh, yeah, SE's gonna have to come out hot. I think the winner of the turnover battle, kinda like you talked about sacks and mistakes, I think
3: that, that'll that'll be that'll decide the game. And I pointed this out before the season is that when I said I thought USC'd be three and two out of the first five games, is that this is really tough because you've gone from you, you beat up on UNLV. You have a tough physical matchup with Stanford where it's multiple formations everywhere. You go to Texas, athletes, a little bit of spread, but not like you're going to see against Washington State. You come back on a short week, and you've got to basically prepare for an offense you haven't seen at all, Uh, and and I think that's going to be difficult for the defense. I know – we enjoy the, you know, Keelan and I enjoy the Clancy versus Mike Leach matchup because okay, you see them yeah. both on the sidelines looking over and basically like, <laughs> okay, what? And Leach's guy's the little, little his yeah. Policies, yeah, he's taking plays. And Clancy's yeah. watching, like, and last year, you know, Clancy did some things where he put Matt Lopes in as a, as a linebacker, actually, to, to use that. And Mike Leach immediately ran at Matt Lopes in that that game. So you see the back and forth and, and the uh, kind of the chess match of those two guys, which is fun to watch. But I think it's going to be tough for this defense to have to prepare for an offense that's so different from the other ones they saw in the first couple yeah. games. Mm-hmm. On a short week, yeah.
0: Speaking of which, uh, Daniel has a question for you, Shotgun. He says, the defense has given up a lot of big plays as well as Clancy's scheme no longer a fit for college football.
3: I think the difference is they're not getting to the – uh, to the passer, when they get pressure on, on the the quarterback, then you know they they don't have those times, and they're getting you're sending blitzes and stuff. But you have one on one matchups on the outside, and you're going to lose some one on one matchups. Whereas if you get the pressure on the quarterback and you have the what 48 sacks they had last year, you don't you know you don't give up as many plays. Even though last year you know, they were giving up some some big plays uh, in the secondary, I think the secondary has been much better this year. But like even a couple of the first downs that the Texans able to pick up, you saw Isaiah Langley like basically. Got tackled. His arm was inside of the catch on, on one of them, and the guy catches the you know catches it for a first down. So coverage was really tight on that. And you saw you know Isaiah Lane got out jumped on a play where they had ten guys on the field, uh, but he's right there on the coverage. I think the coverage has been pretty good this year. I think you're just not getting to the quarterback and affecting him enough so far.
2: The, it's interesting some of the numbers. I think I think Michael Castillo was tweeting these out, but USC is like on first and second down, some of the best defense in the nation. Third down, like averaging nearly like nine yards or a little over nine yards to go and still giving up a huge amount of – so which is wrong. weird, you know. You know, It's a really right. strange – you know, I, I don't know the exact numbers in front of me, but something like that where USC is doing really well on first and second down, gets a lot of third and longs, and but not doing very well on the third and long.
3: And one of the things they're not doing, as they did last year, is batting some passes down. Ucheno was yes. so good at yeah. that. You know, he led the team in pass deflection. It was the first time a linebacker led the team in pass deflection since like 2000, I believe. Um, and – They've gotten two, maybe this year, one or two. John Houston had one this past game. I think they've had one other. So, in three games, you have a couple.
2: Our buddy Sean Cody, I think he tweeted that out. Like, that's one of his keys. Like, <laughs> defenders get their hands up and try to bat some balls down. Because they haven't done that a lot.
1: And when you have the depth, that's something, you, like, the motor should be running for all those guys getting in there, especially on third down, pass downs. Those, that should be happening.
3: I know a guy like Marlon too is putting his hands up every time. And, you know, <laughs> you kind of wonder, it's like, is the ball going, like, right by their hands every time? And they are just not as lucky as they were last or year? Or is he to just getting that? gassed mid-pass mid, mid <laughs> pass rush? And I'm like, oh, yeah. You yeah. 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 that was really, really good yeah. at that. He was,
1: yeah. yeah, he was special at that.
0: Matthew wants to know from Max, what's the main difference between a Pac-12 defense and an Alabama defense? Of course, you face Alabama.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Alabama, I mean, I just remember the meetings leading up to that week. I remember Tyson Helton said this is like the best college defense I've ever seen ever. Um, so like that, the standard there is just different. I mean, you got Alabama, it's every guy has NFL on, on his radar versus Pac-12. That's just not, not the case. But obviously Alabama is the standard and everyone else uh, – It's hard to to match up with that. But I think uh, in the Pac-12, obviously, it's a lot more uh, pass-centered defenses. so You get a lot more nickel packages and uh, defensive backs. But, uh, yeah, just up front, front seven for Alabama was – Probably more elite than the Pac-12, but that probably comes as a
2: surprise to, 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 to no one. Yeah. Yeah. That that first quarter, I think you, you took off and ran for a first down. Mm-hmm. You got, like, really excited. Oh, I yeah. asked you about that after practice. Yeah. I was like, you know. My buddies will still
1: send the, like, the gif of that. <laughs> so like, the fist they'll, still, they'll still send that, was that a good, in, I mean, in, in group chats. Not used to seeing that out of me, so it was, uh, yeah, it was funny. Yeah.
0: Um, Paul wants to know, what's going on with USC special teams? How does the punt game get more consistent?
3: Only a matter of time before that question. <laughs> I mean i asked john baxter about the punters and Sam donald just fell in the background yeah. uh asked him about the punters you know he said we expect those guys to do better you know they have uh experience doing well you know you had, two years ago tilby was the punter on the rose bowl championship team uh you had re was good last year for them so then i asked him well is it basically is it mental or is it physical and he said, that's tough to say. He basically didn't have the answers for it. So I asked him you know, about how much time they spend and you know, not getting the results. He said, well, hell, we'll have to look at that. So he, <laughs> he really did not have any answers after the game. I'm not sure. you. I think you were in on the... Yeah, I
0: did talk to uh, Don Baxter this week, and he didn't really have a lot of answers. Um, usually he's a little bit more snarky, and, and this time he was a little bit more humble and like, I don't know what's really going on. It's kind of a, a confidence thing. But he, uh, Reed Butteridge says that Baxter gave him a lot of tips and helped him at least with the mental side of it. Baxter didn't really want to go into that. He said it's more of a player-coach thing. So, I don't know. I mean, Baxter's not usually the most informative, so we didn't get much from him. But
2: what You got to see USC practices and uh, Pitt practices. We kind of harp on the amount of resources that USC puts into special teams mm-hmm. where you have a dedicated special teams head coach, I mean uh, assistant coach. Uh, Seems like about a third of the practices are used on special teams. Five scholarships are used on yeah, special teams, so there's a lot of resources. Like, how would you compare what the resources at USC and and Pitt? I think I was part of two outlier programs in terms of special teams at
1: Pitt. They had a special teams like guru guy as well, and Pitt was very good at special teams as a result. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's but it's, you, to your point of five special team scholarship players, that, that's great. Two punters, right? With mm-hmm. uh, two punters, two. That's, that, that's and Reed's one of my buddies, so I'm I'm pumped. He's on uh, yeah. on scholarship, but the i think it has to be mental right it's not physical if they've done it before it can't be physical unless there's some injury we haven't heard about so it's got to be mental and to me it's do these, are these kids approaching it as okay if i shank this one punt then i'm benched and if that's the approach then that's got to be tough because then you start stressing and 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 freaking about the little nuances and then when you do shank one it gets worse and then you start it's just a little carousel and it, for the punter that's, that's no good for no one so that's where my head goes out with that. If you know you have two scholarship punters and they're approaching it like, oh, I just can't mess up, that's tough. But uh, it, it shouldn't be happening. About
2: time-wise, though, like at Pitt, they use a lot like uh, much time of practice.
1: Uh, very similar. Uh, okay. Maybe not as much, but in terms of, like meetings, meeting rooms, it was the same. Um, I think, but I think Baxter's probably the, the standard for that in terms of how much time he's allocated. So. Uh, it was close, but it's probably more at more at uh, at at SC, which is no excuse considering the struggles they've had. You look at
3: it though; they did. It seemed like they took a little bit less time this week yeah. uh, at practice. You we know, charted we, it. We were actually really? checking <laughs> <Yeah>. the. <season. laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. Like yeah. never had. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you you look at it, and the punting has been bad. Seven punts of thirty yards or less. Which is pretty awful for it was not good for a season. It's as awful for three games. But <laughs> that's not the only thing. They've given up a fake punt. They missed a fifty-three-yard field goal. That's whatever. They have a block field field goal that turns the game. Around. Basically, I just I, I tweeted game over after that because you knew yeah. the, the, the momentum that Texas had, and you could see on the sideline it was over at that point. Whereas if he makes that field goal. It's a one-score game, and suddenly you're back in it. you got a little bit of momentum. You get a defensive stop. You can go change things. So it's that, and there's been four penalties on special teams. There were several penalties last season. It's just we see it over and over, and it doesn't seem like there's any answers from anyone. Uh, I asked Clay, you know, is it time to make a change? I didn't necessarily say he had to be fired, but that something had to change on special teams. He said, no, John Baxter is one of the best in the country. Uh, well, we're not seeing it. Yeah. If he's one of the best and you're giving him these resources, you're going to get five scholarships, you're going to spend as much time as you do in practice, there needs to be results, right? right. And, hey, every once in a while you get the Michael Pittman, you know, the, the punt where you, you know, yeah. uh, have him on the other side of the field and you, you fool the defense. You get that every once in a while. But when you're constantly having mistakes, like at some point, don't you have to say, all right, we're either not going to dedicate this time to special teams Either we're going to go for it more on fourth down, or whatever it may be. There's, there has to be some kind of change, right? Quarterback likes that. You can't continue <laughs> to do the same thing,
1: right? Well, that's what I was going to say. Is, is, is the change? Anytime they get in between the 40s, they're just going for it every time. If it, 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 that, that could be some admission to track there, as if they're saying, hey. We know the punter might be our liability. We're just going to go for it all the time. And that, that'll be interesting to see moving forward.
3: And, and Clay even said that last year that Chase had a, a hip or a groin injury later in the season, and they said that at some point you kind of had to make that decision. Like, we don't know if he can kick that long one, so we had to go for it a little bit more on fourth down. So maybe that's Especially
1: something. if he's gone or obviously torn ACL, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. he, moving forward, you get inside – like get that thirty-yard range, thirty-five-yard range, or thirty-yard line? Are they just going to start going for it more? We're going for seven instead of three. That'll be interesting.
0: Romero wants to know if these trends of losses continue for USC. Does that affect recruiting at all? Did, like you,
1: you kind
2: of saw, yeah. like you saw that a little bit when you were getting recruited. Did that change your mind
1: at
0: Mine
2: all? Mine was
1: probably one extreme because it was. Seven and six. It works both ways, though, because if a team's struggling, then the pitch to the recruit is, yeah. hey, come in here and help us play right yeah. away. And that, that was kind of where my pitch was at the time is, hey, uh, we don't have an answer at the quarterback at the time. Come in here and win the job. And so that's how they sell it. Uh, so I don't think it recruit, it affects recruiting. I think what does affect recruiting is if the, the rumors of um, – if it gets to the point of coaching changes or there's like major changes i think that's where it probably uh, affects a recruit or if the schools around usc start picking it up if uh, a chip kelly's ucla and i can just go across the city and go to a different school that might affect it
2: but by and large i don't think so yeah it's, i think it's different a lot of fans look at it as like oh we're losing blah blah, blah. but i mean you're from a recruit you're look a prospect you're looking at it from a completely different you're looking at the depth chart you look it's not about oh you lost to your rival and stuff I and mean, we've seen you know, yeah. Manti Teo, like Gerard, loves telling this story. He took his official visit to Notre Dame. They would lose the Navy. They threw snowballs at all the players and stuff. And he ends up at Notre Dame. So he's really, <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like it's a different. It, it's different. You're probably you're looking for your own school. It's not. It's not like a fan where you're like, oh, we lost this game. I'm really bummed about it and stuff. 100%. You basically
3: you don't see as much of an impact with losing unless it's really really bad. Or if you have, you know, Sun Bowl, something that's really bad. Uh, but you do see a boost if you're really, really good. Yeah. You'll mm-hmm. see more out of state recruits start looking because then you get more national attention. So the guys that are, aren't in your state, your, your local recruiting usually stays pretty much the same, whereas your out of state becomes a little bit different.
0: Um, Gerald, that's kind of a tough question. He says, looking back, is there anything you would have done differently during your time at USC? Uh,
1: no, not at all. Honestly, I think. Uh, that's one thing that allows kind of like peace of mind now is when you look back with the information I have with coaching changes and offensive coordinators and depth chart stuff at the time there's nothing, uh, nothing I wanted to I never may have uh, handled a few like meetings differently in terms of, like the questions you ask to try to get ahead of things but that stuff that's totally like living in, in, in hindsight a little bit but uh, by and large nope wouldn't, wouldn't change thing
2: did you feel like it seemed like the whole 2016 was kind of crazy at the beginning of the season hmm. I feel like USC was never doing a really good job of getting, you know, with, if, with Cody Kessler starting, getting you, you know, meaningful reps. It's like really just it seemed to be really hard to do that. And then when you do finally get your chance, there's someone that's coming in like they never have done that before. Like the, yeah. your backup or was the one that was kind of coming in. It just seemed like it wasn't. I don't know, just the way they did it was differently with you guys and some of the other stuff. Yeah,
1: I think that's. I I, I would. Uh, did echo the same points you said. I think a lot of, like, little factors, like little things that could have gone differently of getting more game reps or lucky enough for SC, like, Kessler never got hurt. He literally – it was only one play in three years that, like, got hurt. And so, that like, that never happens in football usually. And so would it have been different if uh, there was, like, a quarter of play where I had gone in and, like, whatever it may have been or if the opening game wasn't the the Stanford's and Alabamas or, like, whatever it may have been. I think a lot of little little factors that added up to – Maybe not working
3: out in my favor, but at the end of the day, that's 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 life. <laughs> yeah. Adora has a question. He said the backup QBs don't have headphones when he looks at USC sideline. He said, was that was was that the case when you know Kessler and Sam were here? And how involved are the backups in kind of the coaching of the game? Thoughts? You know, how how do those guys help out? And how much does it help maybe if you have an experienced guy to help you out?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that's just on the backup quarterback himself. If you like being in the game and that's who you are and you like knowing the play call and like having a role and playing the play in your mind, you can just go to the equipment guy and hopefully you can get just a like earpiece to an extent. Some head coaches, I forget how uh, T. Martin is, but uh, they don't want the backup quarterback like hearing what they're saying because who knows what's like what's said in those things. So (laughs) there is is an element of that. Um, To your second point, I think when I backed up uh, Cody the first year, I full on did the signal. So what like Dane Mm -hmm. Stevens is doing now, that, that was my job. So I think people like kind of respected uh, or like trusted me with that with that role, and then I think as I got older, to my redshirt freshman and sophomore, year, Kessler uh, trusted my info in, info. So he would come off the sideline, hey, what would you see here? I don't know if that's the the relationship with a uh, Matt, Fink, Jack Sears and JT. So um, that's something that Kessler and I kind of had a little bit. He he respected where I was coming from, and I, I liked it. I like staying in the game. So by and large, I think it's up to the up to the backup quarterbacks themselves.
0: Rafael has an interesting question. Uh, obviously, USC had the three-man quarterback uh, competition in fall camp, so you had that rotation happening. He wants to know, how long does it take a quarterback to develop good chemistry with his wide receivers?
1: I think it just depends. Um, I think, I mean, it could be as, as, as short as a week because at the end of the day, I mean, it's you're throwing and catching, or it could be a whole year. I think the biggest thing for JT is um, – he's gonna get better with the more reps he sees, the more looks he sees. I think when I was breaking down the film, there's some mistakes he's making where his eyes just shouldn't even be in that area. So like uh, there's some cover two things where like he's trying to fit in a hole shot where it shouldn't be, or he's missing a dig route on third down. So those type of reps, I think uh, it's less being on the same page as the receiver and more so just getting used to college football and and the different looks he can get, that'll help him. but uh, I think it depends. Obviously, he has a good relationship with Amon Ra and other guys will follow suit. But at the end of the day, it's it's, it's playing pitch and catch to an extent. It might take uh, a week or a month, whatever it is. He'll, he'll be fine.
0: Anthony wants to know if you can speak on USC's strength and conditioning program a little bit. I know some people after the Cotton Bowl were a little down on, on conditioning. What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, it's world class. I, Ivan's the, the best I've been around. Um Ivan and KB and Josh, uh, Mark, those guys are uh, the best in the biz. Cause I've I've seen those tweets. I've seen that narrative. Couldn't be more false in terms of uh, SC's lacking in that department. Those guys are world class, and I'm. Um, I mean, I think all those guys were former head strength coaches at their own program. so the experience at SC in terms of what they're getting day in and day out, uh, it's world class. But with that being said, they the strength the strength coaches can't uh, decide like. What, what people are putting in their bodies in terms of gaining and weight and all that. So a lot of it's on the players and in, 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 in terms of what they're getting out of it themselves. How different was it USC to Pitt? The it was diff- The biggest difference was just facilities. So at Pitt, uh, our weight room was smaller. So like the structure of workouts is a little bit different. You had to get a lot more uh, like uh, circuit-based stuff to get guys moving, get the tempo up. Versus at SC, you have 30 uh, Olympic lift squat racks. So mm-hmm. you're able to really have guys honing on one area and so that's, that's the benefit of having a john mckay center but in terms of instruction and uh teaching both both places were great um and i think i mean ivan lewis and his staff definitely the, the the gold standard did you love the the weight room were you a big weight room fan or not really or? <laughs> i was I, I was uh weightlifter of the year after my uh that's right. redshirt freshman i don't know if that, I remember. that, <laughs> that, that, was, that was last very yeah, cool little skinny little backup <laughs> tv but uh i did like it i think uh Jeans-wise, I, I didn't know what maybe show us some of the other guys, but uh, I was always in there trying to get some extra, get, do, do, do what you can to get better. Yeah. You awesome. mean like jeans-wise, like Lin Swans-type jeans? <laughs> no, not kidding. <not> yeah, <laughs> forgot about those. No, the the Mike, and Cheryl, uh, Mike and Cheryl Brown jeans that they get.
0: <laughs> uh, what do you guys think is the biggest challenge for USC on Friday facing Wazoo? I mean,
2: I think just getting the offense rolling again, getting some confidence. Uh, I think JT Daniels came out of fall camp. There was a lot of confidence there. He's a young kid. Um, is that shaking a little bit where you only score three points? And, you know, get they look really good in the first quarter and then not score for the rest of the game. So I think coming home, getting some confidence back and being able to, to put some points on the board. He has one touchdown pass all year. Um, you know, get the tight ends involved. Get everyone involved. Get the offense clicking. And I think, you know, if he can do that, then I think USC will be fine.
1: 100%. I think the, the turnover battle is crucial in terms of turnovers and big plays. Defensively, if they can get a couple, that'll that, that's a spark for the offense. That'll get them in motion if they're getting a short field, that type of thing. And then uh, big plays on offense. If they can get the big run like Stephen Carr had in the first quarter, those are huge for momentum-wise. And then the passes as well, if JT can uh, hook up with his receivers, that'll be big for SC on Friday.
3: Yeah, just the offensive line. If the offensive line plays well, (laughs) USC will do well. I've said this for the last three weeks, I think, now. It's like if they shore up the offensive line, the season will be completely different. I mean, but is there any indication that they're going to? Not from what we've seen in the Texas game. I mean, we have to see it on the field. I mean, they can do whatever they want in practice, but until we see them in a game actually block people and be successful consistently – then we're going to think the same thing. The offensive line has to play better, and if they do, that will give JT more time. It gives receivers more time to get open. I mean, I charted in the Stanford game, when he got pressured, it was between 2.2 and 2.3 seconds on average. That is super quick. That is giving you basically one read on, as a quarterback. Maybe you can get to a second read if, it's, if both of are short routes, uh, but you're not having much time to, to go through your progression. And with a young quarterback, that's obviously what you want. You want to see them... You know, show you that they can go through a progression, but if they don't even have a chance to, you know, how are they able to progress as a, as a quarterback as well?
0: We are reaching the end of your, our show, so if you want to get your questions in, final questions, then we will answer those. Maybe rapid fire, we'll rapid fire them
3: quick. Yeah, or any or uh,
0: Periscope or YouTube questions you guys want to get? In?
3: Oh, yeah, S.J. I, I can't. I've There's seen a lot this guy of weird on, names. to <laughs> yeah, <I've seen> he's <laughs> on, <laughs> on our message boards as well, but I, I or she, he or she. Um, Max, what are the things you liked about Helton as a head coach, and what are the areas you want to see more from him?
1: In terms of the first question, he was as fun of a head coach to play for. I think guys really, uh, in terms of like, I'm having fun playing football. That's definitely something he uh, he maxes out with guys. In terms of what I want to see more with, I don't know. I know it's not the answer people want to say, want to hear, but uh, it, I, I'm not sure. I, and that's not me just trying to be polit- politically correct. I think there's just uh, that's that's one thing that SC fans are struggling with right now is I don't think there's one issue or I guess offensive line play, but there was a one issue where it's like, we got to sure this up or he's got to make this change. Yes, there's full pads. Yes, there's, uh, whatever it may be. But, uh, for me, I, I didn't have any, any major complaints.
0: SJ1, Jake, I don't know. He says, how much does uh, full contact practices affect O-line? How much is that for the O-line?
1: Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, but it works both ways. We were talking about this There's, there's trade-offs. So it probably ups their physicality and their mindset and, uh, their grittiness, but I think it also comes with potential injuries and banged up and not being as fresh on a Friday or Saturday. So it's that, and that's the head coach's job is to, 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 toe that line a little bit and see what what what's best for his team. And that's obviously the decision Coach Elton has for, for this week and weeks moving forward.
3: And that's obviously something that people complained about too because you've had Chuma miss a practice or Austin Jackson this week for sickness and people are complaining about guys missing a single practice and saying, well, if they don't practice, they can't play. Well, if you go more physical and have more physical practices, more than likely you're going to have more guys miss. So you got to find where you're going to you're going to stand on that line yeah, as, as far yeah. as that goes.
0: Um. <laughs> Michael wants to know, if you got a call from the CFL, would you answer? <laughs> I'd
1: answer it, yes, but then I have to a, a tough decision. I haven't, uh, I'm not sure if I'm in love with play, the idea of playing in Canada, because obviously there's, uh, there's life after football, but uh, there is like the AAF that's starting up. It's that new league. I don't know uh, how much you guys know about that, but I am eyeing that. It's more uh, in the state, so uh, that, that, could, that could be fun as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, score predictions. Everyone wants to know what we think is going to happen tomorrow. Oh, crap um yeah
2: <laughs> i don't know so the spread in this one usc's favored by three and a half last i checked
3: which is basically means it's a push and USC being the home team yeah
2: yeah but usc's three 14 and one against the spread the last 18 games like not very good so yeah so not very good at, like being where the experts kind of think oh man i think it's gonna be a. I think this would be a, a close one i mean i wouldn't be shocked if usc comes out and plays well but uh, I think USC is going to win, like, a 24-21-ish a kind of game. So no cover? <laughs> no cover, yeah. Cover. I'm taking, uh, yeah, Washington State
3: to cover. I guess I'll go 28-26 so they don't cover. <laughs> but I have them winning this game. I did not have them winning either of the last two games.
1: Yeah. I'll go 34-31 SC. I'll go J.N.A. Harris with a big pick to turn turn, turn, uh, turn the tide of the game.
2: He had a lot of picks in camp, so we got to see him. Yeah, uh, he's as good of a cover guy as I've been around. What well, do you think, Keely? I don't know. So none of us are picking going to cover. They're all like close ones, though.
0: So. I hate. This is a, the portion of the show that I hate doing. I just hate it. blow up. 45 to 7.
3: Uh,
0: I hate football scores, too. I can't think of them off the top of my head. Maybe 35 21.
2: Those aren't football scores. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, they, are, they are. They are.
0: Okay, Keely. good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> math is hard. Uh, yeah, and I, I think who's going to win. So, okay. You think we're I think, wait, yeah. By two touchdowns? I, yeah.
3: Well, Texas won oh. by. <laughs> Three. Yeah. I don't know. Helton's we'll first loss at home, and maybe? That Texas team isn't very good either. Is that what it
2: is? is he hasn't lost at
0: home. He hasn't wow. lost at home. It's true.
2: So, they, so you're predicting his first loss at in the Coliseum.
0: I, I mean, weekday games for USC coaches are a little iffy. Send so. your
2: hate mail to <laughs> at Keeley is uh, my yeah. name. I, I hey,
3: won the I, Cal game when Miley Cyrus showed up.
0: Oh, uh, true. Okay, yeah. But it's Cal. I, I don't know. We'll see.
3: <laughs> I got a couple of rapid fire here. Dave Jones asked Devin Williams is a baller. Why is he not getting more reps? They've tried to throw it to him and then he has not caught any passes. So you're going to trust those guys. which is older important guys. for a receiver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they need to get him a bubble screen and let him try to break a tackle yeah. uh, first before they keep throwing deep to him. Uh, Bodhi Zaffa says, Any coaching changes that could they could do in season for improvement now?
2: I mean, you could. They're not going to do anything like that. that I
3: don't yeah. think they will. But if you look at what they did in the off season, you brought in Tim Drevno, right. who is a offensive line coach, to be the running back's coach. That is the potential you could do there. They brought in uh, Joe DeForest, I believe is his name, who was the special teams coach at Kansas or Kansas State. One of those, uh, one of those Midwestern uh, <laughs> place, Big yeah. Twelve schools. So, if so you basically have backups at the two areas where there was concerns coming into the year, and where there are still concerns now, so if you were to make a change, there are kind of backups already there in place. Now, do you make those changes? I don't think they will. Uh, and if you did, if you move Drevno, then you could potentially move Johnny Nansen to running backs coach because he's been there before. Clancy's coached the linebackers previously. You could do that. So someone brought this up when in our USC, one change. Uh, you know, we oh, asked yeah. everybody. You know, if you still, if you want you guys, want to include, hashtag USC change. Yeah, we're,
2: it's, yes, uh, it's, it's, it's the one it's thing, thing you would change. Yeah, people send like ten, like one. We're just like one <laughs>
3: thing you would change. One thing you would change. Uh, if you want to send in those things, but uh, that was something that someone brought up. It's like, hey, you can move. You move Johnny Nansen over. You can move. Uh, I think they said Andy LaRusso can move to the linebacker's spot too. So yeah, there, there are kind of the backups there. Will Clay help make that change no. from his? From what he's done in the past, he, there's no precedent to say that he. No, make, he certainly will not
2: unless there was some, you know, if Linz Swan said, you have to get rid of this guy or something, I think that's the only way that would
3: happen. I don't know. And the last one I got is Pyroshock says, can we schedule Armed Forces schools for our non-conference? USC doesn't want to perform against Power 5 schools anymore. (laughs) And you look at the scheduling. I know that Dan Weber has brought this up. So why would you schedule anybody now? Well, because the fans want to see those games for one. But you see some schools are still scheduling tough, but other schools don't schedule anyone, and it works out in their favor. But then also... You look at it the other way, those schools were in the in the East and the South. We're in Washington didn't schedule anybody and they went to the playoff, what happened? Oh, well, ESPN setting out cupcakes in front of the TV screen for them. So, uh, you know, I think there's a different mindset if a West Coast team doesn't schedule anyone. Yeah, it's part of the culture.
2: Like, we were in Austin uh, last weekend and it was awesome. Like, the fans, we had this uh, happy hour party. We had, like, 250 people come to this thing. That's what USC fans like they want to go to Auburn or Arkansas or Texas or Notre Dame whatever that's part of what you as a USC fan that's what they want those huge road trips so those aren't going away and those are great. Like even you know USC getting beat by Texas. Everyone we talked to was having a great time
3: down there. That's that's the kind of stuff you want to see. So yeah, they'll complain on Monday or Tuesday when they get back from Austin, but they were having yeah. a great time <laughs> down
0: there. Someone says USC should schedule Hawaii. I would be in favor for that <laughs> if, Ryan, if Ryan sponsors it across. I the went toys. to Hawaii.
3: That was my first game as a Trojan. Oh a Hawaii, yeah, that's I went. Old. I went to Hawaii in 2010 or 2011 when they went, and I was doing radio. So I actually went to it was Labor Day weekend. I went on like a Tuesday. I didn't leave the room. During daylight until Thursday, I think for a <laughs> Friday night game because I was trying to learn all the the Polynesian pronunciations that Hawaii had for radio and you being done that on the beach and being the first game, I didn't know who was going to be playing for them, so didn't know their depth chart very well. So that was that was very tough. Yeah. That's
2: crazy. I went in January for the uh, Polynesian Bowl, so that's a new one. So that's a new one. It's like a new high school, but that so okay. I'm making sure I cover that one. That's yeah. <laughs>
3: um.
0: Someone wants to know, Max, if you have a like behind the scenes funny story or something that people don't know about a story that you could tell us oh, to, to uh, put you on
1: the spot? Um, That might be something I have to scheme on, and you guys have to have me back, and <laughs> then I'll have to answer. <laughs> uh, behind the scenes.
2: Are we can link to your YouTube page. If yeah, you yeah can exactly. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I want to come up with an answer if whoever asked that, but uh, nothing comes up uh, initially. I'll have, to, I'll have to come back to
3: answer that one.
0: Okay. Looking at the comments, you got some new subscribers, so that's, Sweet. that's good. Love <laughs> it. Yeah,
3: thanks for checking it out.
0: Yeah, any final thoughts before we wrap this up?
3: Scott Sheffield really wants to know, Max. Should he have Mexican or Thai for lunch?
1: Thai, Thai is my favorite food. That's, I'm serious. That's a um, great question.
2: Thai. Okay. Is hot. That's that's going We're gonna take you to Thailand. So this is fun. <laughs> First of all, really thank you, uh, Max yeah. Brown, for yeah. obviously uh, such a great kid, and we've you know been following him since he was an, a teenager, and seeing you know. He's not anymore. Yeah. I but just, <laughs> no, I got you. Yeah, wishing the, it. you know yeah. great success, and uh, I loved watching the YouTube page. So make sure you guys uh, check that out. He didn't have to come here and do all this stuff, so it's really cool yeah thanks that. for having me yeah. on it's we love song.
1: your, your
0: yeah. commentary we appreciate it and now that he's out
2: of school it's funny because we we get to you know we meet a lot of cool people and you know when you're in high school and then you kind of follow them through and whatever you do after you know college and stuff it's great but we can't do anything for like if you came here when you were a student i couldn't like take you to lunch now i can yeah. take you for time yeah. so no violations yeah, we've yeah. Been violations now we can now he's like out of school so. yeah no perfect well, that's
0: good all right uh that's gonna wrap it up for today's show we will be back here on sunday night sunday still even though it's a friday game correct right yes. yeah
2: sunday <laughs> yeah still sunday we're still, still okay sunday.
0: sunday night uh wrapping up and analyzing that game on friday whether it's a win or a loss we we will be here. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for Shotgun Sprattling, Ryan Abraham, and Max Brown. I'm Keely Orr, and we'll see you in a couple days. See you in a couple days. See you in a couple days.